0: Yo, we live, we are live, man. It's finally happening. All right,
1: cool, cool, cool. <laughs> we already done the intro and everything.
0: Um, I just gave an intro what the thing was going to be about. I think we, you and I both need to go over what, what we are about, basically. All
1: right, well, anyway, my name is Chance and I'm from uh North Alabama and I'm a member of the party for socialism and liberation, otherwise known as the PSL. And really and truly like the goal of this podcast from what Pat and I have been discussing is to take current events and analyze it through a Marxist lens, which is really just explaining it through in context with Marxist ideology.
0: Yeah, so that's literally what it's no overthinking it. We're not adding philosophical theory, at least not yet. We aren't. But uh, (laughs) I'll introduce myself and he's Patrick Vale. I already gave a brief introduction about myself, but um, I'm currently a college student getting a degree in environmental science. Um, I am still new to Marxist-Leninist theory and uh, everything in that genre. I'm still learning all the theories and what comes with it and stuff like that. But I'm, I think I'm getting the most of it, the most of the good parts of it. And that's my goal on this podcast is anybody who feels alienated or feels lonely in, in the Communist Party, that you're not alone. It takes time to learn these things, and it's a whole different thing that they don't teach you in school. So it's a whole new thing that you have to learn and grasp, which is what my goal is. Um, I'm hopefully planning on becoming a member of the PSL, the Party for Socialism and Liberation. Hopefully I'll get there. Um, we're working on it, though. I, I've been talking with you and Mike about it for a while now, but it should be that much longer before I meet with someone.
1: Oh, yeah, right, right. Well, uh, anyway, what we've been talking about, what we want to talk about in the past couple weeks for this episode... It's kind of changed in a sense, kind of way, but kind of, but not really, because we were going to talk about the Russiagate uh, thing that's going on and the article that the Party for Socialism and Liberation's uh, newspaper, Liberation News, posted a while back. Yeah. uh, Brian Becker, who is a member of the Central Committee of the PSL and a founding member of the PSL. So really, he found found the party and he's a member of the governing body of the party, if you want to call it that, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really, for those that don't know, Russiagate, is what they're calling the uh, calling the alleged scandal of the uh, Russian government trying to interfere with the 2016 election. And first <laughs> time when I heard about this, I thought it was just some kind of weird fucking or excuse me, weird cop out. Uh, yeah, uh, to uh, say that the election was rigged or whatever and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm I really don't think it happened. I don't really know for sure. I'm not I don't we'll, have that kind of we'll never
0: know we'll never know yeah. honestly well it's but, it's a lost cause at this point
1: yeah but like I thought it would go away in time I thought it was oh, yeah. kind of like I thought it was a meme worthy kind of like joking like thing but it's not and it's it's snowballed into a bigger thing and it's made it to where the U.S. has pretty much changed its foreign it's changing its foreign policy on Russia and really the world in general And like that's what Brian. I'm not gonna read this whole article because it's just a long article. It's a very long article, and I would lose people at this point. But I'm gonna like read a couple paragraphs off of it. And really, what they're talking about is, uh, you know, the past 15, 16, basically the whole time we've been alive, Pat. Like we've been in the Middle East doing God knows what in various countries. When I
0: was little, I remember. When Bush was I I'm, I'm not remember it clearly, but I know that when I was little that things were happening over there. I didn't know what was going on, obviously, but you knew there was military over there. You know, there was guns and there was big machines over there and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, like I said, we've always known that stuff's going on there since we were literally born, like since we were alive. Yeah you
0: and I were born before nothing
1: happened, all that stuff like that. But it's the US is changing its foreign policy in that we're not so much focused on like the quote war on terror and the global like we're not focused on the Middle East as much as anymore even with the recent serious missile strikes or whatever, it's really the U.S. military and China and Russia are all kind of gearing oh, yeah. up towards war. Er, like, what you call, what you call like, big-time war with other big countries. It's not just us going in after a, or, well, I say us, the U.S. government. It's not just the U.S. government going after a Islamic militant group in the Middle East. It's yeah, actually, it's terror. more
0: about, like, in my opinion, it's more like, you, it's really just the world powers being pissed at each other, and we just keep going back and forth. That's really what, ha- what I think is happening. At least,
1: yeah, and like, uh, and the Syrian civil war is a very good example because it's it's pretty much a proxy war. Like, if you, oh, exactly. you, you you can call it that. A proxy war for those that don't know is when a U.S. or when a power or two global superpowers are back are fighting each other in adver- or b- fighting each other through somebody else. Like, I get, like the Cold War is a big example of. it. There are so many different conflicts, oh, six, small conflicts uh, yeah. all over the world during the Cold War. Where the Soviet Union was backing one side, and the U.S. is backing the other side. Angola is a very good, very good example. Like the Soviet Union was backing the movement for the people's liberation of Angola, which is a Marxist-Leninist government that eventually won and took over. And the U.S. is backing the uh, U- U.S. is backing the Portuguese colonial movement and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's another example. But what they're doing now, since the fall of the Soviet Union, is that Russia has just now gotten in a position where they can be, where they're sitting at the big boy table. Like they're really doing. Oh yeah. Like they, they've recovered from like the fall of the Soviet Union, they're 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 coming back to where they're they're a very big superpower, and, and- I was getting
0: and I was getting a sense of that just during the election, and, I, and at that time I was still a liberal and I was still, you know, I, I didn't know anything about communism. And obviously, the tell you communism is bad, obviously, but, right? And then you you think that Russia is your enemy, and but they're really they're not. What they're just trying to they're just trying to play their part in this world and really just get almost get this capitalism not capitalism i should say but get us just get the u.s back to their corners of the world basically
1: yeah in a sense it's a,
0: like russia today is a very
1: weird like they have a, they have not i wouldn't say weird but it's very odd because like they're a capitalist country oh yeah definitely they're big they're, capital, they're, like they're, 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 they're not they're right not there. yeah putin, putin has a lot of money like they're, they're very much a capitalist country but Slavic countries and like 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 former East Bloc countries and Russia included, they're very anti-West. They're they're against Western imperialism, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> they're not imperialist. So, what they're doing in in Syria, for those that don't know, the Syrian government with their with their president uh, Bashar al-Assad has been fighting a civil war with Islamic militants and several other militant groups since about 2011, 2012, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. And it didn't really become... It didn't become a big issue until about a couple of years ago, like, on the media where you saw it all the time. Yeah. When they started ramping up, like, when the Russia anti-Russia propaganda started getting really big. And uh, here recently, uh, with the Russiagate stuff really fueling the fire to it, it's become a bigger issue. And there was these alleged chemical strikes in 2011, and then, Ru- and then Trump launched 59 Tomahawk missiles over there. And... The U.S. is backing the uh, the moderate rebels that oh, consist yeah. of ISIS and Al Nusra and all these other different groups, and Russia is basically helping Syria, the Syrian government, fight them for obvious reasons. As in mm-hmm. like it's ISIS we're talking about here, and on top of that, it they deserve to be a go- they, <laughs> they they deserve a right to exist, like self determination, mm-hmm. and so. Russia and the US are basically in a proxy war in Syria to push what they want to do and Russia's backing the Syrian government's right to exist. So that's pretty pretty much briefly what's going on. And it kind of culminated last week on Friday the 13th when uh Trump launched when the Britain, France and uh the US launched all those missiles. Wasn't
0: wasn't Turkey a little bit involved in that as well or
1: is Turkey's kind of- involved? I'm not really like I can't speak much on Turkey. Because yeah. I'm not – I don't know I much like,
0: about them. I feel like they're kind of like a little pawn in the game, honestly. that's They're just there just to be there. They're like, if you need us, let us know. But it's, I mean, it's still jacked up, but they're just like, if you need us, let us know. But we're not – you know what I mean? We're not trying to get too involved here.
1: Yeah, Turkey's Turkey's involved. They're, basically, the lines are drawn. This is how it is. You have the U.S., Britain, France, NATO, really, and the Western powers and Turkey. And they have China, uh, Russia – all the different it's, it's pretty much East and West at this point. Yeah. And it's China and Russia are kind of together when with standing with Syria and that they're going to let them not be overthrown by, by us backed coup. Mm-hmm. And it's very weird because you wouldn't think that a communist country would align with a capitalist country, but it's kind of like bigger than that at this point, they're just trying to stop Western encroachment on another middle Eastern country like Iraq was or like Iraq and Libya. So, mm-hmm. Exactly. I don't briefly, what's going on? But uh, I'm gonna read these paragraphs real quick. Once again, this Go is by Brian it. Becker from the Central Committee of the Party for Socialism and Liberation. Uh, obviously, I'm not gonna read all of this, but there's gonna be a, a little bit of it. <clears throat> we are witnessing what we are witnessing is a two is two convergent phenomena coming together, running in a parallel, but now intersecting. One is a profound political civil war going on within the summits of the capitalist political establishment, the ruined class centers of power and the intelligence agency and the intelligence agencies. The second is a qualitative reorientation of us foreign policy and the gearing up for a quote, major power conflict with Russia and China as the targets. The goal of this foreign military reorientation is to apply severe pressure of all types on Russia and China with four identifiable goals. One to encircle Russia, weaken it economically and hem it, hem it up on all sides two to compete with China for dominance in Asia, which is now the most dynamic part of the world economy. Three, to weaken and end the alliance that China and Russia have forged in recent years. And four, to carry out regime regime change in China and Russia. So that's pretty much laying out what what the goal is being deduced to in the Middle East. But like I said, it's, it's pretty much going through Syria. And Syria is pretty much becoming the catalyst for these tensions even more so in recent uh, mm-hmm. In the past year or two, uh, anything to add to that? Like, do you have any questions? I guess you could uh, say, or anything like, um, not really.
0: Um, I mean, it's pretty simple. Literally, what's going on is literally, like I said in the article as well, it's just a cold war. What's literally what's going on? Um, yeah, everyone's real quiet, everyone's real silent, and then we're just gonna be shooting chemical warfare at each other, which is not smart at all. Yeah. Um, and then it's just I mean, I'm not trying to get sentimental, but it's just really upsetting to, when I heard about that, and he just did it without even consulting anybody. And people were like, "Well, he still has to get like Congress, uh, to like pass it." And I was like, "Do you think Congress is going to deny that? I they want it." You know yeah, what I mean? like my favorite <laughs> yeah. thing
1: is like Bernie Sanders being mad that like not that we
0: bombed the country or not that we
1: bombed Syria, but the fact that Trump didn't go through Congress to do it. Yeah. Like, I saw your, my, your morals saw are very skewed.
0: His, I saw that on his Twitter, and I was like, "Dude, what the hell, man?" Like just it's ridiculous to me it's just i mean you gotta it's like and then like, like i said before like you you think congress is going to deny that no they 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 all wanted it they all voted for it that's well, why you not that's why you didn't go through congress because you knew there was just going to be a, a check mark in the box and they just give it oh, yeah. back. you know what i mean well,
1: what's funny to me is that like every recently in uh november when we uh when when alabama elected doug jones as senator uh he was a democrat he was seen by like everybody's like the sensible like vote and everything and then on his facebook page a while back like i think it was a day or two ago he was like i stand with president trump and launching these missiles against the regime and i was like this is it, what happens when you vote for bourgeois warhawks like exactly
0: there's it, literally it, it, no you're, difference you're, you're gonna them. see you're gonna see their true colors that's what you're gonna see you're gonna see um social in social democrats are you gonna see democrats or liberals and they're not any different they all they want all pro war. I mean the mongering. I mean it's ridiculous. It's all exactly. about the payche- it's it's all about the paycheck. They're not worried about the people in Syria. If they really wanted to help the people in Syria this this would have been go- finished a long time ago.
1: Right. And, and what's it, really dangerous to me like is during the Iraq war like everybody was like Bush is an idiot like it's the Republicans and yeah, I mean they are they are the biggest war hawks, but at the same time what seems to be more dangerous to me is like the liberal war hawks because people don't Understand that, like the Democrats also are vying for this too, and they're also trying to come across the yeah. table. I mean, Barack, oh. o-
0: Barack Obama um, asked in 2011, I believe. Yeah, it was 2011. He asked um, Assad to to resign, and I was like, "You're literally telling another country their president to resign." Just imagine that. Like, it's just the, it's yeah. mind blowing. Yeah, like, it's it's it's, it's mind blowing. It literally is.
1: And it's just it's just a very very big mess over there, and. Like I said, it's it's culminating in the U.S.'s reorientation of U.S. foreign policy. Mm-hmm. It's almost, it's pretty much McCarthyist stuff, but without, like, just centered on Russia itself and not just communism anymore. For sure. But in the U.S., they are ramping up anti-communist sentiments again, too, because what do you know? It's the communists that are once saying, hey, no war in Syria, you know? Like, exactly. It's apparently a controversial take now to say no war
0: in Syria. Exactly. Um, I wanted to ask you... Um, I was having conversations with um, some friends of mine that aren't anywhere near Marxist Linus at all, Um, you know, kind of reactionary, but I was, what's the view on um, Assad in general? Because you you see, you hear a lot of talk of him poisoning his own people, um, him corrupt, in quotations, a corrupt regime, a dictatorship, which I don't really get that sense at all, really. Um, I just watched a video recently. It was on Mike's Facebook about, um, it was, I think he did an interview um, Assad did an interview with a uh, reporter, and I mean, Assad just completely just destroyed him. I mean, he was just like, "You don't have any evidence of the things you're claiming right. to me." And I mean, and it's true; they don't. They say they just want to. They said like, "Well, oh, uh, what about your prison systems?" He's like, "Do you have evidence that my prison systems are bad?" And he said like, he had a photo, and he's like, "Can you claim who the people are in this photo?" And he goes, "No." He's like, "Then this this is nothing to me. Like, this is literally nothing to me." And I was like, "Damn." Uh, dude. And like,
1: honestly, like. <sighs> When you look at Syria and you look at the Syrian government, you have to wipe away everything you've been told for the past four or five, six years. Exactly. From the media, you have to look at it starting over from scratch, and that's what I've been Assad doing. Assad was elected by the Syrian people twice.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's like a uh, it's like a U.S. presidential system. Like I was like, how is he a dictator if he's literally getting reelected? Like the people wanted that. That's what the people got. It's more. It's a democracy.
1: And of course, people are going to say all oh, the elections are rigged, but they say that anytime, anybody that's not the U.S. has an election. I mean, you have to look at it like that. But like, Assad, it's the same interview we were talking about on Mike, which is our mutual friend for people that don't know who is also in the PSL. Uh, he, uh, when I watched the video, the guy that was interviewing him was someone from the West. I don't know which course, I don't know which media course, I don't know which media or our reporting agency he was with, but he was uh with, like, maybe the Washington Post or something, I'm not really sure. But he was uh, talking to Assad one on one in, like, the president of palace. And he was like, Well, he was just trying to, like, grill him really hard about, like, yeah, oh, he like, the resistance and everything. And, like, Assad was literally just saying, Where's the proof? And someone that doesn't understand that might say, Well, he's just, like, countering and not answering the questions. But the guy that was presenting these, he was saying, Well, we have an FBI report. And, like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> The FBI, the people that, like, assassinated Martin Luther King Jr., the people that are trying to, like, support CIA and regime change, that's a credible source. Like, it, it's really not. Like, it's not. And Assad even invited, I think it was the OPCW, either the day before or the day after the missile strikes to come uh, to come uh,
0: see the place and investigate, see those chemical weapons used.
1: What dictator would – or, quote, dictator would do that? There's none. There's none. Yeah, I
0: was reading that article when it was – Um, I, I had a little bit of time to read it because I was in between classes at school. But, um, yeah, it's just – I mean it, it just doesn't add up. And for someone like me who has been listening to you know liberal, bourgeois propaganda in the media and you have this – you have to look at it a different perspective now because it's like – I'm sure if that was – if I watched that video like a year ago, I would have been like, oh, dude, like I saw the dictator. He's a total, like uh, – idiot you know what i mean right. and now and now i'm like if you do, if you don't have the evidence you can't make a claim it's like in an any court of law or a court of a debate you know what i mean you cannot make that without evidence and you are just going on fbi reports When you know fbi reports are mo- probably gonna be propaganda at the most point now and you ju- you can't make a claim on that anymore and they just don't understand that and that's so just like i'm if you tell me another fbi report i'm gonna leave the interview that's why i felt like he was getting it. he's like i just can't listen to y'all I mean, it's all just fake coming out of his mouth, and I was like, "Dude, he's just grilling this reporter hard." I mean, it's just really embarrassing to watch.
1: Yeah, and the reporter was trying to come off as like overtly sensible, like, "Oh, hey, this guy is denying evidence. You all see it. He's on air with me." But like, he was basically saying, "If it's a Western source, you can't support it because the Western sources are people that are trying to re- they're trying to make propaganda against Assad and the, and the Syrian government." To further justify regime change yeah
0: and, and they're trying to change the syrian government and their and their election processes and their government processes i mean i, I just doesn't add, it's just like i said before it doesn't add up and it's it's just so crazy to think that people are believing that bourgeois propaganda and it's just crazy to me you know
1: i mean like you and I before we even got into Marxism's politics we believed it. we thought it like I, like years ago i thought assad was a bad guy because i was told so yeah
0: exactly exactly you learn in every history class like the same thing with like soviet union like well, well, people died. It sucks. And You're like, no, that's not no, that's not how it works. You gotta look. You gotta look at. Now everything's black and white. That's basically what I've been learning a lot in Marxist-Leninist theory. Not everything's so black and white. Just because someone says it's bad in your class doesn't mean it's actually bad. And you start learning about different theories and the way things are. And it's just, you know, it's the same thing. It's just, it's just bourgeois propaganda. That's finest. Right. But another thing with this
1: article that it's saying is that not only with the Syrian stuff that's going on. But Trump is like eliminating people you that you could probably consider, quote, moderate Republicans. They're like, hey, we don't need to go into a full scale war with Russia and China. Yeah. He's eliminating these people from his cabinet and eliminating people from that could like somewhat stop him from doing this. Cause even the bourgeois, even the bourgeois politicians that are, other, I mean, the other bourgeois politicians are like, this probably isn't in our interest for money. Like, we're not going to gain anything from this. So we need to like reel back this dude.
0: No, how much? How much did it cost? I I, th- I saw a report and it was like I think it was like a, was it about five billion that they've already made off just the strikes and missiles through that and like it's just ridiculous.
1: I I've not read the article and I can't substantiate I, like I don't I don't know those claims but like
0: me either. They've made just, more I, off of every I, single complex. Well, so. yeah, obviously, but I mean, I think I think what those missiles they made a total around that. I could be wrong, obviously, but. It was. Let's just say it was a high number. It was like just mind blowing to me. Basically, it had embassy just made off of that in general.
1: Oh yeah, it's just it's it's ridiculous. But the reason that we're close, we we're on the verge of a full scale what you could probably consider quote World War Three or a full scale big like European Western like war, is that it's not that Trump is bombing a another Middle Eastern country. It's that if. Somehow the Russian forces that are protecting the Syrian government and the U S forces overlap and they get into a skirmish or conflict that could like make it a very, very, very real big conflict. That's the reason why we're close to it. And that's the reason why we have to be so anti-war because war in general is bad. Like it should be always be avoided. It should always be avoided every, at every moment, but it's not just another foreign intervention. This one, if it hits the wrong person or it hits the wrong place or it crosses over the border or the wrong place, like, anything can happen to where it could want an actual full-scale war and mm-hmm. that's why we have to be so vehemently against it
0: yeah um well, my, i was tell- i was also telling other people cuz i think you know it's i don't i i think our you know last possibility of that war happening would be la- le- less than nothing you know what i mean i don't think it would actually happen but if it were to you know america's not going to get out of this easily you know they have Russia involved, which is a world power now, and they, then they have China backing them now too. Like it's not going to be easy fight. And they, I think, America knows that, and that's why they're so scared. And they, I mean, they and, and they just got attested that with I think it was Russia blocked seventy one missiles that were aimed towards them, and you noticed know, Syria, yeah,
1: Syrian air defenses did it. Oh, really? Yeah, but they were using Soviet <laughs> Soviet anti aircraft. Okay, that's uh,
0: why I, I got yeah. But, yeah, but still, like that is like that is highly highly impressive. And I think they got they knew like they, I think mean, they just pretty much they get, they got a taste of it, of what it would be like, because it's not going to be easy, you know? Um, and it's going to be a lot of money wasted and a lot of bloodshed over just, just, it literally, it's just so simple. Just get out of there and let the people handle the people. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right. I mean, that's, that's pretty much sums it up. But when Lenin when Lenin wrote imperialism, his hostage capitalism, when he wrote that in 1913, 14, they were on the eve of the first world war. And Lenin could see that it was all happening. Like Lenin could see that the dominoes were falling. That this power was going to fall, this power, and it was all these empires going to go to war. And when you apply it in a modern context, you can see all the players at hand. You, like I said, I drew the line earlier. You had U.S., France, U.S., France, Great Britain, Turkey, and you had Russia, China, maybe the DPRK. I'm not sure. Like on this other side, the lines are drawn. What happens next is completely up to fate. I guess you could, and uh, the world powers. And while I don't think that there could be a World War III so easily, I do think that it's definitely possible because proxy wars can spill over and become world conflicts.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, I, at this point, anything's possible with the U.S. government and this going on now. Um, you know, I, I would hope that – you know, I say this in a way that I hope that it happens in our lifetime so our grandchildren don't have to experience it and they can learn right. from it. But I don't see this – you know, getting resolved anytime soon in my lifetime. I mean, this is going on since, like you said before, we were born. And um, it's just really just – it's honestly just sad. It really is. I mean, the fact that we have to do this kind of stuff on a day-to-day basis, that we have to be talking about it, it's just embarrassing in general from, for the U.S. Exactly. It's, it's
1: just very sad, and it's, it's very sad. And that's another reason why people – it's sad and scary. and so people don't want to talk about it. But it's very important that we do talk about it, open up discussions about it. That way we can build the foundations and, like, get people – knowledge bond to where we can rebuild the anti-war movement it got yeah. very big in the iraq war i mean you had people protesting all over It was a very unpopular war and once again they never found the, the chemical weapons that that uh, saddam had exactly and, uh, you have to look at lib you have to look at all these countries that are like that had nationalist revolutions or like like some sort of some sort of socialist progressive revolution over the past twenty forty years that, are, that have been trying to, that have either been overthrown or the US has tried to overthrow in the past couple of years. The US doesn't want these powers. Yes, they're not Marxist countries. Yes, they're probably not what we would call socialist countries, but they're pro- somewhat progressive nationalist movements. They aren't a feudal monarchy or a monarchy like Saudi Arabia or like a proxy government that the US can control. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we support nationalist movements like this, I guess you could say out of nuance or out of like larger effect because. Think about it. The Syrian government isn't Marxist-Leninist country. They're not a communist country. They're not the Soviet Union, but they are a progressive nationalist movement, and they're they're a last they're one of the last geopolitical enemies of NATO. You have to look at what they're doing on a grand scale for anti-imperialism. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see. And that's why marxist have to defend, like, you have to defend Syria, and you have to be vehemently anti-war towards them. Because yeah. we, Iraq had already fallen. Like the US put their government in power. And w- at what point are we going to say enough is enough? At what point are we going to mm-hmm. say, hey, this is where the line's drawn?
0: You can't go any further. You need to stop intervening in foreign affairs. Yeah, exactly. Um, one thing I was going to add is to you know what, you know, these maybe these countries aren't Marxist Leninists, you know, they're maybe not the perfect example of communism or socialism, but um, it's almost like, it's kind of like pick your battles. You know what I mean? Right. Um at this point you can take what you get. And the thing that you know, like we said like some we always say or I see it even in a PSL protest, pictures online or any sort of protest, you know, co- capitalism is the disease. It's a re- I mean it's just a repressive apparatus. And right. and um it's important that, you know, like it's something they always teach in PSL as what well. I've been looking at is, you know, do we need to organize and educate And um, not everyone get all riled up and, you know, go storm the White House, you know, just can on these things. And like you said, have discussions about these kind of things and talk about them, Um, especially between our age group. Like, you know, voter apathy is a very big thing in our age group. And no one's like going out to vote, which I which I hope they don't, because, you know, it's rigged elections anyway. But I wish that they'd be informed in politics um, to a Marxist-Leninist approach. But obviously, it's, you know, people get scared when they hear communism or socialism, and they think that we're just a bunch of lazy people when in reality, it's not that at all. And I had to learn that myself. And, um, you know, like I said, like we, it's just where we, where are we going to draw the line on this? I mean, it's, it's been going on since my lifetime and I would, I would really like to see it end before I die just to see that. Cause I mean, it's, I mean, it's like, how long are we going to do this for so long and just wasting taxpayers' money on this? And how many people are going to die? Women and children are going to die just for, uh, just for intervening in someone else's government. You know what I mean?
1: Exactly. I mean, uh, you made a really good point. I mean, like like I said, when are we going to draw the line? It has to end. And imperialist war is a symptom of capitalism. Exactly. Like all this stuff is a symptom of capitalism, and you have to get you have to nip it in the bud. You have to nip it from where it's coming from. You have to be anti anti imperialist war. But when you say you're anti imperialist war, you have to also acknowledge that it, it does come from capitalism. Exactly. But, uh, like what I'm really proud of is that. Us and the PSL and various other organizations, we were able to mobilize protests across the US like the day of, like the day that it happened, like the day that the missile strikes happened on uh Friday the thirteenth. And uh I mean I'm reading off the uh the article now. I mean we had we had them in Boston, Massachusetts, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Phoenix, Arizona, Columbia, South Carolina, Nashville, Tennessee, Atlanta, Georgia. I was actually at the Atlanta, Georgia one, and Seattle, Washington. Los Angeles, Sarasota, Florida, Oakland, California. I mean, there was that—that that is probably all the ones that I can find for the PSL ones, but they were being supported by multiple different organizations. So, I'm very proud that we were able to organize that quickly. I mean, the day of the attacks, that morning or that afternoon.
0: Yeah. So was, I, the fa- I, I was also reading that article as well on PSL and how fast um y'all we like you know y'all responded to that is crucial um you don't really see a lot of organizations doing that the only way today and they plan and y'all are just like no we need to do this now because people certainly need to know that their voices are being heard and uh they need to know that we're there standing in solidarity with them
1: yeah and, uh, like honestly like I, my band was going to be playing a show that night and i was i got on the i, I was at work the so work nights and i got a message from my comrades and from Birmingham PSO, and we were like and they were like hey this happened we're gonna do something today about it and we sent through the chain and we're like, Hey, we're going to go to this one. So we went to Atlanta. But at the time of Atlanta, I was like, look, it sucks. I don't like dropping a show, but you have to look at what's going on.
0: The it's, bigger picture there. You know what I mean?
1: Uh, people are dying. And like, there's a, there's a lot of apathy, political apathy with our, with the youth in America at times. Because, oh, I totally agree with that. For sure. Like, it's like the general, like, the consensus is that, Oh, they're just going to do whatever they want to anyway. Why care? I mean, they, the
0: people completely underestimate the power of people and our ability to make change, and that's Why? how, and that's how I used to be. I believe it or not, I used to be that way um, because I, I uh, before I found Marcus Lennest, and then I was a little bit after I was a, I just started. Um, I really just stopped caring, honestly, because I felt like I couldn't win with a certain party. Right, um, my views weren't there. My views weren't you know left or right anymore. I felt in between on different things all the time, and uh, and that and that's so big now with our political like just like I said, voter apathy is a representation of that. I mean, obviously. Like I said before, bourgeois media and political power is awful these days. But um, you, you have just kids who just don't care. They're like, "Well, I'm going to live and die one day." Um, that's that's great, but people are dying now. Out of, exactly. out, of, out of out of war. I mean, people are their houses are literally getting bombed, and children don't have a place to go to school and educate themselves. And um, and then the fact that you know, it's just I think a lot of that in the U.S. has taken a lot for granted. You know what I mean? Right. Um, people have, you know, I mean, obviously people have hardships and stuff like that, but uh, my house is getting bombed every night. So I sleep pretty yeah. well. You know what I mean? And and the, the fact that y'all did that is awesome. Uh, I believe there's a protest going on. I think it's it right now, actually, at five, five and six. Um, I think it's in Houston. I think it's for, uh, you know, anti-imperialism in Syria and um, stop the war in Syria. Uh, Mike was telling me about it. And then some other people that are also in the scene as well. They're interested in communism. He, they wanted us to go out there, but I couldn't go because I had physical therapy. And, um, we had this planned as well, but yeah, right. next next one I see, I plan on being there. If I'm, if I don't have to work and go to school at the time.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. But go back to the second. I was like, when I was playing my van, I was like, look, if we don't mobilize the day of, if we can't court, like, if we can't coordinate national protests all over at the same time, it's not going to have the same effect. If exactly. we wait a week on it and we have one protest and like, Louisville, Kentucky, and that's it. It's not going to have the same effect. We have to coordinate there and then, and have to we have to do it then and there. That way has the biggest effect. Yeah. And it, it wasn't a popular decision, but it was one that had to make, and it was one that was for the greater good of everything. Yeah. And we, as like people in the United States, we're in the heart of the we're in the heart of the empire. It's our job to use our platform and our privilege of living, like well, I would not say, privilege is use our platform. From living this place to denounce it and to build the popular movement against war, and later on against capitalism. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. But uh, I was going to briefly uh go back to the article and uh read the last bit of it. Go for and I it. Guess then we can uh go ahead and uh talk about anything else we re- that was on our mind. All right. Let me find this article right quick. You're good. If I can find it, this article is very long. You're okay, very I'm good. gonna uh, paragraph from the article that Brian Becker wrote. Um <clears throat> He said, "We have entered a new, extremely dangerous moment. Trump has created a, a cabinet that is his quote that is quote his war cabinet is his, his war cabinet. He is now free from previous restraints within the ruling class; those he considered to be somewhat disloyal, not completely partisan. In the context of fierce, venomous struggle within the bourgeois, now that he has, loyalty around him, it means there will be a sharpening of intra-class struggle within the bourgeois and sharpening of the U.S. war danger." In the Pentagon, though the voices opposing to ripping up the JCPOA, a war with Iran, a war with Iran that would quickly lead to a regional war and possibly a global conflagration of drawing in major power allies on, on competing sides, militarism and repeated wars are an enduring and inherent feature of the imperialist epoch of capitalism. We must not ignore this reality. And I thought that was a very, very powerful line. Agreed.
0: Um. Yeah, it's. It's just i mean I, I mean you're almost at a loss for words when you when you think about it, um everything he said is on point, and you can't deny it, <laughs> um especially when you have the theories and the the results behind in your head, you know what i mean right um one thing I did want to talk about is um how uh defense secretary um uh, i might not be pronouncing this, right, jim uh Mates or mattis uh, mattis yeah yeah he uh he's the one who said we don't have evidence at all. And that's just mind blowing me that he said it to the Pentagon reporters as well. And like how openly he was just like, yeah, we don't have any evidence at all. Sorry. And it was just like, and he was just it, 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 like, he knew he can get away with it. It, it just, it's it, like I said, it's mind blowing. I mean, you had this guy, secretary of defense, obviously. I mean, I mean, it, it didn't matter who it was. I mean, it didn't matter if it was Hillary or him, they still would have been doing it. And, um, and you had, and he literally just said, we don't have any evidence of chemical reports in Syria but we're shooting missiles at them. And it's just, it's, it's just mind blowing. I don't know if you wanted to comment on that. Yeah, it's, it's just, <laughs> it is mind blowing. Cause
1: you almost don't know what to say. Exactly. Like, it, it, it should be self, it should be self evident. Like it should be self evident that like, if they say, Hey, we're bombing them. And you say, Hey, do we have evidence of this attack against our government? And they say, no, but we're going to continue to bomb them anyway. It should be evident that their interests don't lie within the welfare of the Syrian people. It, sh- it lies within imperialist intervention.
0: Yeah, I mean, and he also added on there. Uh, this is a quote from U.S. News, um, so I was really surprised that they actually put this out. I mean, U.S. News. I mean, they, I mean, right. I'm really. Uh, it was an article by Robert Burns. Um, he's an AP national security writer, and um, he wrote on there and he said uh, that Mattis said we're looking for evidence of it uh, since clearly we are dealing with a side regime um, that has used denial and deceit. Um, I'm really bad at grammar, by the way, guys. On this podcast, so please be patient <laughs> with me. Um, to hide their outlaw actions, and he also added, um, "We're even more concerned about the possibility of sarin uh, use." He said, um, "It's it's it's a colorless and uh, tasteless toxin um, that causes uh, basically leading to death, um, and that's just like, of, of course, first of all, you uh, you of course use that." As well, because it's like you can't see it and it's colorless and tasteless. Just to go in there and be like, are y'all using chemical weapons or not? Because we can't taste it or see it. Yeah. And it's like, and it just all like pieces come together on it. And then I don't know if you saw that article report. I think it was like a lady, a reporter, she went over there and she was uh, sniffing this little girl's backpack.
1: I did see that. That was ridiculous.
0: I mean, that is xenophobia at its finest, honestly. You cannot deny that. Um, (laughs) I mean, just going in there. And then just hey little girl, let me see your backpack and just sniff it. Um, I don't really uh, see um, syrian use here. Um, maybe we could. I mean, I can't smell it or taste it. Um, <laughs> it's like I said. Yeah. It's just it's just the irony, and it's just ridiculous with with these people and these reporters.
1: Oh man, the media's been rife with just ridiculous stuff for the past week. I mean, agreed. Like I said, like. Apparently, now it's a controversial opinion to say no war on Syria because, like I said, you have the bourgeois liberal Democrat establishment people saying it, they're buying and regurgitating the belief that Assad is bad. Yeah. And what I want to say from with other leftists in the community that are, uh, whether you're Democratic, socialist, whatever you want to call yourself or whatever, when you say I don't support Assad or what's Washington doing, you're still laying the groundwork that Assad is bad, which mm-hmm. Is what they use to justify their war on Syria. Exactly. So you have to be weary of what you say, and you also have to be weary that where you what what news outlets you post, what, what where is it coming from. Like you can't just regurgitate whatever you think is saying. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, a little bit back to what I said earlier. Um, your view on Assad in general. Um, because like I, I, we kind of got off topic a little bit, but I was basically asking. Um, you know, how do I respond to people with them when they say? Uh, well, Assad poisons his people. He's a dictatorship. And we got a little bit track with the election process, but... Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're a nationalist progressive country. Um, wh- how, how do you go about talking to someone in a conversation or a discussion when they say, well, he's just a dictator and he poisons people? And I mean, you could obviously say, you know, they elected him, but they're obviously going to be like, well, that's a rigged election. And it comes right. down to the bourgeois media and bourgeois propaganda. But basically what my, my question is, is how do we go about not really protecting Assad, but really just standing up in defense of the people of Syria and their government?
1: Well, I mean, the first thing you do is look at the Syrian people, ask the Syrian people, look at all the videos, of everybody carrying Assad signs care, like dro- driving out in the middle of these plazas and squares after, the day after the attacks. I saw that. Yeah, I mean, it's a popular movement, but I mean, there again, you can, people might say that they're brainwashed. I mean, the bourgeois people bourgeois people and like the liberals and, and all these different people are going to come up with any way to give some kind of weird, weak counter against uh, any kind of movement that the uh, US is against. But if that's the only I can really say is ask the Syrian people, look at the Syrian people. The the movement against the Syrian government is fairly small. And well, currently, right now, the last time I checked, the Syrian government is winning the civil war against ISIS and Al Nusra, and the, yeah, and the, they are winning. The I
0: was I was reading that as well. They are they're they're literally winning, and that is honestly one of the greatest com- like comebacks in the in the in the Middle East history. Honestly, yeah, I mean, ISIS had a
1: ISIL, ISIS, whatever you want to call them. They had a huge portion of Iraq and Syria. I mean, and unified like ISIS is also in a larger collective front against anti-government forces, but like. Here's how. The, uh, here's from what I've gathered, at least. I can't speak for the Syrian people because I'm not Syrian and I'm not from Syria. But from what I've gathered, at least, the Syrian people elected Assad. They support Assad. And even the people that may not like Assad and people that may like want some kind of reform or whatever, they see Assad as the people that are taking out ISIS and ISIL. Yeah. ISIS and ISIL are a greater threat to them than anything else right now. And yeah. when the U.S. is helping ISIS and ISIL and they're help trying to destabilize Syria. The destabilization of Syria and the overthrow of the Assad government, or the, the, excuse me, the Syrian government, is just going to bring more turmoil to the Syrian people, and they know that. The Syrian people know what they want. The Syrian people
0: know what's best for them. Yeah. I mean, like, and then another example I could use for this is like, you know, I always tell people, like, you know, what if someone was telling us how to run our government? What would you say?
1: Yeah, I mean exactly, and
0: and and, and they're like, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like that." That's literally how they feel. They're saying, "Get out of our election process and our government, and let us handle it." Um, you know, like, like I was saying before, if you if they really wanted to help the Syrian government, they would. Um, actually, I take that back. They probably wouldn't because they're a bunch of capitalists and uh, you know, <laughs> um, imperialists. But I'm saying, like, if another socialist country wanted to help them, you know, they would. Um, you know, they would give them the proper means to defend themselves, and you know, educate them, and organize, and teach them. Instead of, you know, just going there, having American, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, American-funded terrorist organizations.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, these the U.S. will say they're against these radical Islamic sects or whatever, but then they'll either fund them through the CIA or help destroy the legitimate government in order to help them. It's funny because the day after those strikes that happened, ISIS tried to launch an offensive. The, on South Damascus if I'm not mistaken. Really? Yeah, it was it was almost as if it was planned. They almost thought that those strikes were going to do more or if it was going to help something to help them take Damascus. Like, it's very convenient that ISIS decided to attack Damascus
0: after the strikes yeah, happened. Yeah, they're like, uh you basically put the hole in the wall. We're going to go through it and cause some more chaos now. Um, yeah,
1: And so, like I said, the legitimate Syrian government, no matter what people's criticisms might be, you have to look at how bad destabilization of Syria will be for the Syrian people.
0: Mm -hmm. And I was looking at that video. um, I think I saw it on Twitter and it was basically, you know, people like just chanting in the streets, you know, holding um, Assad photos and they're just like, they're clapping and they're having a great time. And like, I don't think you would have that same reaction if he was a dictator. You know what I mean? I really just don't. And of course the bourgeois media is going to say, well, they're brainwashed. I don't know what they're doing. And I said, you're speaking on a mass majority of people. Like that's not like you know what I mean? It's you can't just make that up. The fact, um, what's what I'm looking for, and you have all these people, you know, chanting and saying, you know, U.S. get out of here, um, let us and Assad handle this, let the let the people handle this, yeah. and America's just like, well, you're brainwashed. Let me just keep blowing stuff up. Um, it, like I said, I can't keep going back to this point. It's just mind blowing. That's, yeah. that's the thing I learned about in in politics now with this new perspective and new. Uh, lens on things is that um everything is just mind-blowing and how the adults are the um in quotations adults are running this game um and it's just like i said before it's just awful and sad to see that you know how many like like i guess we keep coming back to that point with this whole syria thing it's just like you know where are we going to draw the line and like i said we need to you know in, in uh educate and organize and have these discussions with people and try to educate the best we can but as you know uh talking with reactionaries about the subject is very very difficult because they get very uncomfortable and you know people don't like being wrong about things and um i had to learn this myself and um really what we are is just people for the people and if, exactly. you, if and if you're not behind that i mean you're losing the whole point um
1: it's important when we when we talk to reactionaries or when we talk to someone that's against or that's against the anti-war movement stuff like that People don't like being criticized. They don't like being told they're wrong. They don't like being, told. and it's just naturally they're gonna be they're gonna get mad. you are gonna get mad. It's it's gonna be, nothing nothing pro, nothing prosperous is gonna come of that kind of discussion. When we talk to people like that, we have to explain to them, ex- give them a new point of view, ask them questions. You know, go back and forth. You have to have open dialogue and properly talk to people. And that's kind of something we need to use when we talk to people. All this stuff is that we can't say, "Oh, you're this, you're wrong." Blah blah blah. I mean, they are wrong. Obviously, they're wrong. <laughs> but we have talked to people in a
0: way that we can teach them, not in a way we can just, like, yeah. overtly criticize them. When I do talk about this stuff, I make sure I'm very formal and clear. Um, right. Because, you know, if I'm talking like an idiot, or let's say not proper vocabulary, and I'm talking about these world issues, they're going to be like, well, he's just a, a kid that doesn't know what he's talking about. And you got you to gotta talk like you know your stuff. That's, I, I, that's why I try not to have very conversations about this kind of stuff with people because um, – you know, you you have to know your knowledge about these kind of things. And that's where I'm, I'm still new to uh, Marxist Leninist theory and, um, you know, PSL and stuff like that. So I'm not trying to, I'm, first of all, I'm not trying to make PSL look bad in any way possible. And right. I'm not trying to make myself look bad. You know, I'm going to do the best I can to research things and stuff like that. But I mean, it's it's just so hard talking with the reactionaries about this kind of stuff because, like like you were saying, they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to be this. They get really uncomfortable. And they said, well, you're just in a. Uh, a uh, killer pro you're just people you you support killing other countries and i said first of all they're not killing anyone um we are killing people in other countries and if you're missing that point like it's like you just can't even have a conversation with them
1: yeah and like the biggest like the one question that will pretty much break down that argument is they're like well they're killing people ask how why where do you get this information from like wh- who told you this and it'll be a big like It'll be a big rabbit hole of going through different. Well, this told me this and this told me this. And my friend told me this. Well, where did you bring the information from? Well, his dad told me this or told him this, and his dad got it from Fox News.
0: And it's, yeah. it's a chain it's of stuff like this. You
1: have to break the chain of
0: misinformation. Or you're, or you're, uh, I, got, I got this one. It was like, um, I'll take my uh, few history courses other than um, <laughs> like learning about, I think they were talking about you know the uh, quote unquote starving and soviet union um you know back in the day and uh, i said where would you get that information from He's like oh well my history courses and i said dude that's not even <laughs> like i was like i'll show you russian archives that say it wasn't uh people starving but i mean you're, you're just gonna ignore it and not look into it but that's okay
1: yeah like this whole podcast can really be summed up to this episode can be summed up to where do you get your information from where wh- who is it coming from what angle is it coming from is it coming from a Western slant, or is it coming from somebody or a group of people that are being backed by the forces that want to
0: overthrow this government? Yeah, That's and cool I think and I think I think it's important to uh, reach out to different media sources across the globe because um, I think the best way to get Syrian news is from a, a you know a journalist or a news press from Syria
1: yeah, or the exactly. Middle
0: East. And um and um what was I gonna say um and you know it's it's like especially with, you can see in the, in Russia, the DPRK, um, what better news source to get news from DPRK than the news source in DPRK and like what they report out and let us see. Um, and, but of course there, you know, people are going to say, well, that's just brainwashed They're It's totally critiqued in that they're just lying. And I said, um, no, they're not, they're not lying the way we don't lie about our information. Actually we do, but, um, that's, <laughs> a, that's a whole different category. But I mean, um, you know everyone lies in their certain press and stuff like that but i mean i mean i've I mean, you, I mean you can find this stuff on facebook and twitter about actual reports and photos of syria and what it's like over there and right. people just kind people just go just throw it over their head and one ear out the other and that's just really like just messed up i mean people are literally saying you know get us out of here let the people handle this and uh, we're protesting for assad we still keep him in our in our hearts and our minds right uh, we still stand with assad and then people are just like Assad is a dictator, blah, blah, because Fox News, CNN, um, nationalist propaganda told me. And I'm like, dude, that doesn't, you know, you get, I mean, and a a lot of um, social Democrats and liberals that I know, they'll tell me, well, everyone has an agenda. So do liberal parties and social democratic parties. You know what I mean? Um, So does CNN. They have a, uh, they have an agenda. You know, everyone has an agenda. um, But. What the, the basically what I'm getting at is where does the truth lie, and where can you find the truth the most reliable? That's all, we can do that on a whole different podcast as well. I mean, we're, right. we're about to wrap it up right now, anyway. But um, it's re- mostly just where um, how much propaganda you're going to give it to before you die, and that's where I and that's and that, and and, yeah. then before, and before I got to Marcus Leninist theory, I'm that's why I felt like I felt like I couldn't trust anyone. Um, you know, Fox News and CNN and all these other sources were hyping these stories out of context. Right. when when it were just like a B and C just happened, and that was it, or they'll add like d f or you know what I mean they'll add the rest of the alphabet on there and hype it up than what it was supposed to be and uh, and obviously they'll put their personal bias in there, and um like I'm, we've talked about this before with that i I forgot what's news I, I saw a video of it, but she was saying how you know Trump um is awful and a horrible president for talking to uh or supposedly gonna go talk to uh the leader of the GPRK. I forgot his name. I'm having a brain fart. I don't want to say it wrong here. It's like an idiot. Um, but yeah. And then and later, apparently she was praising Barack Obama for going to, you know, go see him and talk with him. And I was like, that's just totally fake. It really is. I mean, yeah, and, Fo- like, and Fox News does it too with Trump and the Obama administration. They just keep going back and forth yeah. with it.
1: Growing up as realizing like CNN and Fox News are pretty much the same thing.
0: Oh yeah. It, it's just nationalist propaganda.
1: Yeah. And one more thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap this up was they, a, a byproduct of the Russiagate thing is that the U.S. and all these different uh, CNN, like all these different news outlets and the government, they're, they're saying pretty much anybody that is anti-war or anti, I like guess, war in Syria or like a Marxist or anybody that's just against the narrative that Assad's a dictator, they're labeling them as as Russia trolls or Russian bots. As if we're not real, or <laughs> like yeah, exactly. They're trying to say we're not real people. It's just it's just a fake account. That's uh, a fake account being used
0: by Russian government officials. Like it's <laughs> oh, I get that all the time. I get that all the time, it, especially at work. Um, people will be talking about what I retweet on Twitter, and they're like, "Well, that, that's probably just some guy in Russia trolling you, dude." And I'm like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> um, and if he was, I mean, he's he's still spilling the facts on it. I mean, he can't deny it.
1: Yeah, it's it's just. Man, this is a mess. It's it, there could be probably like twenty podcast episodes on this one subject alone because there's just so much going on. So many different powers in place, So many different factions within this Syrian civil war. So, so like, there's just so much going on. But I hope that we've done the best we can to at least summarize it in a way that would uh, align with Marxist Leninist theory or Marxist Leninist thought on the on the process of everything mm-hmm. and how that's going on but uh is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up
0: uh, i believe that's it i mean we're close to an hour mark and i think that'd be a good introductory episode um for the workers common i think it was good i think we had a good time we kind of got a little bit on a ramp i think we kept our points clear and what we were talking about all
1: right i guess we'll wrap it up then
0: um this is the workers common first episode thank you all for anybody who's been listening to us and talk about this kind of stuff and Thank you. If you listen the whole all the way through, I really appreciate it. Um, I believe our friend Jess will be here on the next episode, or sometime soon. Um, I think she's asleep or doing something. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 shame in that though. I'm about to finish some, writing up some papers for class. But um, thank you, Chance, for talking to me today. Um, probably be here next week as well. Yeah, a week well. go after that.
1: Yeah, hopefully this will become a recurring theme, and we get good enough to where we can start talking about things better, and we can have new topics. We can have new people come on. We can. Oh, great! Okay,
0: we can do more of it. Hopefully, this is one of many future podcasts. I agree, definitely agreed. Um, this is the workers' common. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye.